Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. You know, I had the opportunity last year to go to Israel. Many of you have been there. And we crossed the border there where the huge fence is and took a time and a, a pilgrimage, so to speak, into Bethlehem. Many of you may be live streaming today, the sojourners and pilgrims that have come to Bethlehem to celebrate Jesus' birth. And I never forget when I started walking through the noisy streets of Bethlehem and I had to start enduring the foul smells. It was then for the first time in my life I recognized the big difference between our carols over here in the Western world that glamorize a little town of Bethlehem and the harsh reality of God becoming a man and moving into the neighborhood. That Jesus, Emmanuel, came into a cave, into a cave full of foul smells, was laid in a feeding trough that was used for beasts. You know Mary got a sleepless night. God became man. God became man. This is the gospel. This is Christmas, Emmanuel. And as I was walking through Bethlehem, if you've been to Israel before, many of you know what I'm talking about. You're always overrun with emotions once or twice. And this one totally caught me off guard. I walked up to Bethlehem's Church of the Nativity. The Church of the Nativity is traditionally the place where Jesus was born. And I took a picture on my phone that I want to show you on the screens because something as I walked up there so startled me and I began to cry. I separated myself from the group because this was one of those moments. In Bethlehem's church in the nativity, this indeed is the door into the church. It's only three feet high. Therefore, one must bow to enter in. Oh, come, not let us just admire him this Christmas. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and lay our lives before him and say, Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. Can we right now, don't, although we don't have a three-foot door to kind of enter in the church and the nativity, can we bow our hearts before him? Can we bow our wheels before him, lift up hands to the King of kings and Lord of lords? And one last time, I want us just to declare that his, his praise, his goodness, his glory, his wonder. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we've come together to gather under the banner that is Jesus Christ. That at Christmas time, we celebrate more than just a girl who had a mystical supernatural virgin birth we celebrate more than just shepherds who came and worship we celebrate more than magi who presented gifts we celebrate more than just a nativity scene we celebrate the fact that lord you came to this earth to buy back wayward sons and daughters we celebrate the redemption that is ours in christ jesus and we declare that there is no one like you jesus the christmas stories about your glory that God, you've come to restore unto us glory that has been lost. And Lord, we bow before you. May our hearts come to adore you. Our lives speak to your honor and praise. That Lord, as we've gathered with friends and family, I pray, Jesus, 
that this Christmas as we gather around our trees tomorrow or maybe a dinner table tonight that we would celebrate the goodness of our God celebrate the kindness of God that has appeared through our Savior Jesus Christ and may we as your children may we as your followers Lord be full of joy Lord wherever maybe one is in here that's lacking joy I pray today again let joy be restored let the joy of the Lord be our strength I pray today, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and we'll forever be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, and all of God's people said, Amen. come on, everybody said, amen. Can we put our hands together and give God praise? Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. You look good. It's awesome to have all the families gathered and the young ones with us. I want you to put a smile on your face and just turn around and greet a few people. Tell them Merry Christmas Eve or Merry Christmas, whichever one you desire. Merry Christmas. I only got one, Andy. Merry Christmas. You look good this evening, or this afternoon, I should say. We're so delighted that you're here. My name is Pastor Craig, and if I have had the opportunity to meet you, I'm just one of the co-pastors here at Dwelling Place, alongside my wife, Meredith, who's here, and also Pastor Chad and his wife, Michelle, and uh, our families of, of five now. So we've got a lot of crew. And uh, nonetheless, we're glad that you're here on behalf of all of our team. Thank you so much for being with us. I know some of you may be in town for, for Christmas or family members that are visiting. And uh, we just want to say what an honor and privilege it is to have you worship with us. When you came in today, you probably received a message card. If you want to take that out and look at it for a few moments, I want to share just for a few moments from my heart of what God has laid on my heart for this gathering. And then we're going to move into a time of communion. And, uh, and then also candlelight, which would be beautiful and so glad to, uh, to be able to experience that together. Um, if you're new to this church, we often in our gatherings, we take time to, to gather around God's Word. We study God's Word together. We preach and teach God's Word because in preaching and teaching God's Word, we found that as we rehearse the sufficiency of our Savior Jesus Christ, it changes the way we live. It doesn't just change the way we think, but it changes the way we live. And we've, of course, gathered here on Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And um, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have it, to Luke chapter 2. I want to read, this is gospel account from Luke, the doctor, the physician. I'm going to read a few verses in our hearing and, uh, and then share just for a few moments. Luke chapter 2, listen to the Christmas story according to, to, to Luke. In those days, he said, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his hometown. And Joseph went up from Galilee, notice this, and from the town of Nazareth to Judea. To Judea. It's about a, about a 70 mile trek from west of the Sea of Galilee down south of Jerusalem to Bethlehem. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David, that is Joseph to the earthly father. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, she was engaged. We know she was 14, 15, or 16 because the moment a girl hit puberty in the ancient Near Eastern world, she was pre-arranged in a marriage to be engaged to someone. She's 14, 15, 16, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And 
She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Interesting, swaddling cloths are not like swaddling blankets today. These were used to wrap someone who has died for burial. But Jesus actually came to take our death away and laid him in a manger, the Bible said, because there was no place for them at the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, everybody say an angel. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds. And they were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. So one angel summoned the rest of the angels and they were praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary, the mother, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. This is Luke's account. Now I want to take you perhaps to the most brief portion of the Christmas story in all of Scripture. In fact, it's the Christmas story in one verse, and it comes from my favorite gospel, John chapter 1. Luke took a chapter, John takes one verse. John 1 and 14, the Bible says this way, In the Word, Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Isn't that beautiful? I want to speak to you just for a few moments tonight on the subject that I'm entitling the Christmas glory. We've been in a series called the Original Christmas Playlist. We're down to the final song. It's the angel song. It's the Christmas glory. You say, what do you mean, Craig? I believe the Christmas story is about glory. Father, in these moments we have, take the words, your eternal words, that have been given to us through the Holy Word, the Scripture, the account of the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of our Savior Jesus. Let your truth impinge upon us. Let resurrection life fill this room today. And God, I pray that, Lord, as we go from this place, we would keep in our hearts, as Mary did, a treasure, the treasure Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we would understand that you've come to give us our glory back. We thank you and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. How many of you have vivid Christmas memories, maybe with friends and family around Christmas Eve, right? I have a lot of vivid Christmas memories. I I think perhaps my most vivid Christmas memories when I was about six years old. And my aunt and uncle, who, my uncle, let's just say this, um, he was kind of a country guy. He liked to hunt. He liked to fish like I do. And so we would always gather together with my mom's side of the family on Christmas Eve and then we would do Christmas together on Christmas morning, and then we go to my, uh, my dad's side on Christmas Eve and my mom's side on Christmas Day. And so my, my uncle lives south of us in northwest Georgia in a little community called Flintstone. 
And so one particular Christmas Eve, we're down there and we've opened up gifts and now we're walking off the front porch and my uncle looks at me and he's got a bunch of guns, owns a bunch of guns, he's a hunter, right? He looks at me and he makes me petrified because he tells this six-year-old that has got starlight and you know my twinkle in my eyes ready for Santa Claus to come that night. He said, you, I don't know if you know this or not, Craig, but Santa Claus actually comes up from the south. So he passes my house in Georgia before he gets to Tennessee. And my plan tonight is to take my 30-06 and shoot him when he lands on my house. And so Santa Claus is not going to be there tomorrow morning. You will have no presence. And I'm thinking, are you serious? This is what my uncle told me, a vivid memory, right? This will, this will scar a child. I still need counseling, if you understand what I mean. And so the next morning, I wake up and I come downstairs. I don't know if you all do this, but I brought with me today our own kind of Christmas traditions because they've been passed down. Notes, moments of Advent, devotions for my kids. Like this one, our great need, Marley, drove, wrote on this one December 2nd. And these are supposedly reindeer. And then Knox wanted to draw a, a man shooting a deer. You know, I mean, we've created this tradition in our home because I had a tradition in my home. When I woke up that morning, Josh, I went downstairs and I saw presents and I thought, LG's wrong. Mom, you need to call LG on the phone right now. Tell him he's a bad shot. Santa had left me a note and it said, P.S., by the way, LG is a terrible shot. I got on the phone and I called him and I said, Haha, you tried, but you can't touch the magic of Santa. Which leads me to, now I'm a father, and guess what? I find myself doing the same types of things. I don't know about you, but when I woke up on Christmas morning, my dad had a VHS recorder. It was about as big as a boombox. You kids don't even know this, you digitally advanced kids. And he would put it up on his shoulder. And before we were able to open presents, he says, hey, there's a lot of gifts here, but we need to set up the video camera first. And that's like torture for a little kid. 30 seconds is 30 minutes, if you know what I mean, right? And now what I found in my own time is when my kids wake up in the morning, as we've been doing the last few nights, I say, look, look, kids, there's a lot of presents, wonderful presents. But before we do that... Let me remind you that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. And we open up the Bible, right? And they're thinking, okay, Dad, any time now. You know what I'm saying? Because as parents, you know, your kids wake you up at 4 a.m. You know, what better? You know, 4 a.m. wake-up call on your day off. There's nothing better, right? It's like, hey, kids, can we celebrate Jesus at 10 a.m., if you understand what I mean, right? But I have these Christmas traditions. And now I'm so pertinent and so adamant about telling my kids that you know what there are a lot of gifts but Jesus is the ultimate gift and you say well, why do you give that same dissertation to your kids that your parents gave you one day because let's just be honest it really is easy to lose the whole story of Christmas in our fast paced modern society it's really difficult with Santa Claus and gingerbread houses and reindeer and the color green and the color red and all the hoopla of Christmas to lose what the Christmas story really is all about. So which leads me, as I was reading through this story again this week, to ask myself, what is the Christmas story all about? Is it just about a virgin who had some supernatural mystical birth of a child named Jesus? What's that? But it's so much more. Is the Christmas story just about a nativity scene where shepherds come in that are average shepherds and the angels speak to them and tell them that the Savior is born? What's that? And so much more. Is the Christmas story uh, about, uh, about a, a, a baby that's born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and put in the side of a cave and in the midst of a feed? Well, it's that and so much more. In fact, I want to propose something to you today. 
If I were to define the Christmas story in one word, I could define it with the word glory. I could give you another one word definition, reunion. Everybody say reunion. It was a reunion of the ages. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Look at the Bible says in Luke chapter two, it says first and foremost that the angels came and they spoke to these average shepherds in the first verse that just so came off the page as I was reading it this year, it said the glory of the Lord shone around them. And then if that glory is not enough, the one angel where the glory shines around the shepherds goes back to heaven and gets the heavenly host of angels, which means a whole lot of angels, and they all start crying out in praise. And the first word they say is glory. Glory to God in the highest. This is a glorious experience, Christmas. You say, Craig, what do you mean? Glory. Well, have you ever wondered why the other traditional holidays inside of America, like Halloween, birthdays, Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, they're good, but they don't have what we would say the spirit of Christmas? Have you ever wondered why all other holidays don't have the magic of Christmas? Some, some would say that Christmas is magical, it's dreamy. Let me tell you why. Because if you go back to the original Christmas story, it's full of glory. Thanksgiving's not full of glory. Halloween's not full of glory. Christmas is full of glory. What's this glory talk, Craig, about? Let me tell you. If you go all the way back to the beginning of space and time, God created a man and a woman named Adam and Eve, and he created them to be in a glorious relationship with himself. They were in a glorious connection and fellowship in a place called Eden, a place called the Fertile Crescent, a place called Mesopotamia. This is where God was in a glorious fellowship with man and woman. In fact, there was so much glory in Eden. As I was reading a commentator this week, he said, this is why there are no clothes on Adam and Eve. Because there was so much glory. It was a tangible, bright light of majesty and beauty. And, and an essence of God was clothing the beautiful bodies that God had created. This was God's glory. But God gave Adam and Eve something called free will. He gave them the opportunity to choose him or choose others to choose him or choose themselves. And the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve sinned and they lost this glorious relationship and fellowship with the Creator. Can you imagine? The Creator God bestowing His own glory on creatures He's created and now they're banned. They're exiled from the Garden of Eden, the Bible says. They're separated from God. So much glory now lost because of the free will. And until Christmas night, we are separated. <laughs> For thousands of years, the glorious relationship man had with God is separated. It's no longer, it's been compromised. Let's take a cue from the angels because they know what's going on. Why are the angels giddy this night? Why are they absolutely beside themselves? Because they know that God had a plan from the beginning of all time that he would be in a glorious relationship with the crown of his creation, which was mankind. And they know and have been waiting and anticipating for this day for centuries. For literally thousands of years, the angels in heaven, the Bible says, are so uh, dumbfounded about God's love and obsession for humanity and humans that they're longing to look into salvation. So the night that this reunion is about to take place, they come to the shepherds and they say, glory, glory, 
because for the first time, mankind and mankind's creator are about to be reunited. But the way they were reunited is not by God just overlooking our sin. God became a man. Not just a man, he became a baby. God took on flesh. He came and was born of a virgin named Mary. It was a great thing for God to make the creature, but not as great as the creator himself becoming a creature. And as I was reading that again this week, folks, it just so bogged my mind again. It's beyond our ability to conceive what the incarnation is all about. Man being reunited with his creator. God has become a baby. So the angels show up to the shepherds and say, hey, you average shepherds, don't miss this. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. This is what all of mankind has been searching for. They've been searching for a glorious reconnection with creator God. So they say glory to God in the highest. One man once asked, can God be fully God apart from man? Yes, of course he can. He's God. But can man be fully man apart from God? I propose to you tonight, no. For a man, a woman to be fully alive, he or she must be connected and in relationship to his or her creator. For a man or woman to truly live, we must be in essence and fellowship and communion with our creator, God. Augustine, he was one of our church fathers. He said it so simply. I put it in your card. He said, God became a human so humans in reality could truly be human again. God became a human. It's a reunion, a restored relationship. And Christmas is trying to send us a message that it's a reunion, which leads me in closing to a beautiful story beautiful story that I came across many, many years ago that I think paints so vividly the picture of this reunion we're talking about tonight. The brand new pastor and his wife, newly assigned to their first ministry to reopen a church in urban Brooklyn. They arrived in early October, excited about their opportunities in ministry. When they saw their church, it was very rundown and it needed much work. They set a goal to have everything done in time to have their first service on Christmas Eve. They worked hard, repairing pews, plastering walls, painting. And on December 18th, they were ahead of schedule and just about finished. On December 19th, a terrible tempest, a driving rainstorm hit the area and lasted for two days straight. On the 21st, the pastor went over to the church. His heart sunk when he saw that the roof had leaked, causing a large area of plaster about six feet by eight feet to fall off the front wall of the sanctuary and just behind the pulpit, beginning about head high. The pastor cleaned up the mess on the floor and not knowing what else to do but postpone the Christmas Eve service, he headed home. On the way home, he noticed the local business was having a flea market type sale for charity, so he stopped in. One of the items was a beautiful handmade ivory-colored crochet tablecloth with exquisite work, fine colors, and a cross embroidered right in the center. It was just the right size to cover up the hole in the front wall. He brought it, headed back to the church, but by this time it had started to snow. An older woman running from the opposite direction was trying to catch the bus. She missed it, so the pastor invited her to wait in the warm church. Don't stay out in the cold, he said to her. The bus won't come for another 45 minutes. She sat in a pew and paid no attention to the pastor while he got a ladder. He got hangers. He went to the back of the sanctuary, put up a tablecloth as well as a wall tapestry. 
The pastor could hardly believe how beautiful it looked, and it covered up the entire problem area. Then he noticed the woman slowly walking down the center aisle. Her face was white like a sheet. Pastor, where did you get this tablecloth from? The pastor explained, and the woman asked him to check the lower right corner to see if the initials EBG were crocheted into it there. They were. These were the initials of the woman, and she had made this tablecloth 35 years before in Austria. The woman could hardly believe it. And as the pastor told how she, he had just gotten the tablecloth, the woman explained that before the war, she and her husband were well-to-do people in Austria. When the Nazis came, she was forced to leave. Her husband was going to allow or follow her the next week. She was captured, sent to prison, and never saw her husband or home again in 35 years. The pastor wanted to give her the tablecloth, but she made the pastor keep it for the church. The pastor insisted on driving her home. That was the least he could do in the snow. She lived on the other side of Staten Island and was only in Brooklyn for the day for a house cleaning job. What a wonderful service they had on Christmas Eve. The church was almost full. The music and the spirit were great. At the end of the service, the pastor and his wife greeted everyone at the door, and many said, we'll come back next week. One older man, whom the pastor recognized from the neighborhood, continued to sit in one of the pews and stare, and the pastor wondered, why is this man not leaving? The man asked him where he got the tablecloth on the front wall because it was identical to the one his wife had made 35 years ago when they lived in Austria before the war. And how could there be two tablecloths that were so much alike? He told the pastor how the Nazis came, how he forced his wife to flee to her safety, and he was supposed to follow her, but he was arrested. He was put in a concentration camp. He never saw his wife. Never saw his home again for all the 35 years in between. The pastor looked at the man and said, Would you allow me to take you for a little ride? They drove to Staten Island to the same house where the pastor had taken the woman three days earlier. He helped the old man climb three flights of stairs to the woman's apartment. They knocked on the door, and this pastor saw the greatest Christmas reunion he could ever imagine. 35 years, two lovers separated, never touching and beholding one another. 35 years, a husband and wife never able to contact one another. They don't know how to get a hold of one another. Now, no offense here. 35 years being separated from your lover is a long time. But we're not talking about 35 years. The Christmas story is about thousands of years where God's humanity, God's mankind has been separated from his lover. And now he's coming back with angels announcing to average shepherd boy that the reunion of the ages is about to take place. And he won't come like you thought he would come. Oh yes, he would come as a babe in a woman. But he wouldn't come and live in some great grandiose place. He would come in the side of a cave and he would be laid in the midst of a feeding trough and he would be announcing to all humanity that I have come to be reunited with the ones I love. This is Christmas. This is what should make our hearts start pounding about this point of the year because we're re-celebrating the reunion between God and his creation. The angels know how obsessed. (laughs) Come on, guys. The angels know how obsessed creator is with creation. Don't miss this, the angels tell the shepherds. 
glory to God in the highest. This is what Christmas is all about. Look what Jesus said in John 17, 22. The glory that you've given me, Christ said to his Father, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Listen to me. Christmas is the time that God came to give you your glory back. What's the glory of man? To know God and to be in partnership with his creator. What's the glory of man? To be in communion and in fellowship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And let me tell you something today. God will send no one away empty except the man or woman who's full of themselves. This is Christmas. What's the essence of life? God came to bring beauty out of living. God came to restore unto us glory for we have sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard. And so sometimes when we sin, we think, oh, judgment. But God thinks, is, oh, you've missed an opportunity at glory. And Jesus came to give us our glory back. This is the reunion of the century. You were apart, but now you're together. Right there where you're at, seated in your seat, would you bow your head with me? If you're in this room today, all I'm asking is this. If you don't have a relationship, listen to me, Christianity is a two-way dynamic relationship with God. It's not a set of rules. It's not a rule book. It's a two-way dynamic relationship. And God became a man so that we can truly know what it means to be human <laughs> can God be God apart from man of course he can but can man be truly man apart from God no scripture says he can't you're not called to exist you're called to live Jesus said I came to give life and life more abundantly but the enemy of your soul has come to steal kill and destroy everything that is good godly and virtuous in your life but Christmas is the moment where you can be reunited Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.